Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. All right, guys, welcome back to Training for Manhood. Corey Butler back with us for round two. Hey, two. Let's do it. And uh, we went through, um, we're going through 10 just kind of great life lessons that you're passing on to your kids. Okay. Um, you know, great things that, uh, that are important for us um, as, uh, as men uh, to know and to understand. Um, just to recap, right? Um, number one was embracing limitations, learning to uh, rest and cease striving. Number two you talked about was listening to the Holy Spirit and obeying him. Uh, number three, you talked about um, saying yes to something means saying no to something else. So important. Um, number four was modeling, imitating the life of Jesus. And number five was the beauty of discipline, which I mm-hmm. love. I love. Yeah, number man. six, let's uh, let's jump in. What do yeah, you got? Yeah, number six, you know, really, there, you, you <laughs> if you were to look at these written out, I think you would see kind of the train of thought yeah. that, that was in my heart when I prayed about this for to join you. Um, the number six is really truly connected to, like, it's really one through five when I think about it. It's the the beautiful Eugene Peterson book, Long yes. Obedience in the Same yes. Direction. Um, man, I, like, it is the, the this might be um, one of the easier things as a 45-year-old to say. Mm. Um, and really, really hard for uh, Gen A and Gen Z to hear. Okay. Um, because I think what, what what's there is um, one of the things that, that's kind of become a bit lacking, I think, in student ministry is kids are wanting to know, and I don't blame them. I think it's true and right. There, there's, a, there's a right adjustment to this somewhere, and there's a, there's a rhythm and a balance to find here. Um, but they, the, the constant question is, how is this going to impact my life right now? Right. And that is a, that's a right question, yeah. um, whether it comes with some type of like sin or vice of like, man, if you, if it, it goes back to our yes and no from earlier, like, mm-hmm. hey, listen, guess what? If you commit to, if you say yes to this sinful action, like if it's a, if it's a, if it's a 16 year old dude with this girlfriend and their parents are gone and she's like, hey, come inside. And your dad has said, hey, I've told you if the, her parents are gone, just don't, don't, don't go in. Right, don't go in like, and you you say yes to that. You've put yourself in harm's way, and so I just think that there's a long obedience in the same direction when it comes to following Jesus. That it, like an older Christian will talk about that, and we'll think about all of our years of when we when we um, surrendered to our flesh, yep. um, surrendered to a cultural call, um, were discipled by someone other than um, Jesus or one of His people. Um, when we've given into something that's going to be to the glorification of self, we've had enough of those to look back on our long obedience and go, man, yep. you know? And so I've actually been a part of encouraging parents. A lot of parents, when they come and talk to me about like, it's a spot that they've been particularly um, um, poor in, in their teenage or young adult years. And they're feeling like they actually can't speak towards it in their kids for fear of seeming like a hypocrite. Yeah. Or feeling like it's something they haven't really resolved just yet. Um, and I'm actually on the other side of that. I'm like, hey, as you've continued to pursue Jesus for a really long time, how beautiful it is for you to go to your children, how old they're ever old they are, because you have adult kids, mm-hmm. like your adult kids to let them know that like as you've continued after Jesus for this really long obedience in the same direction, 
like where you've continued to struggle and fail and need Jesus, that's harder. That's like, I'm talking about it now and you and I are commiserating as guys with gray hair on their head and their face. Um, that like, we look at that and we, we're almost like laughing with joy at how God's grace met us in those failures amidst that long obedience. Right. But for a 14 year old, that's a hard thing to hear yeah. when they're sitting there. And I, I think it's still right and good to think, how does this affect me now? But like, I want to consistently um, sow the seed to my children that um, you will, I promise, like you will be so glad that you pursued holiness for a really long time. Yeah. So Preston, we took him to Cotillion, which is uh, yeah. the, the Southern way of teaching, yeah. teaching manners. Yes. And, uh, and I got to drive him to the first one and he looked at me and he said, this is a sixth grade, I guess. He looked at me and said, hey, is this going to be fun? <laughs> and I said, no. And he said, "He said, well, <laughs> then, then, why, then why are we going? I love that, right? Why, why are we going? Yeah. This is not going to be fun." And so, um, I took him to, and it was, it's Hebrews twelve, mm. ten, and it says, uh, "For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. Mm. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it." And I told Preston, I said, here's the deal. You're going to thank me later for the miserable time you're having now because you're going to appreciate later that you know right where the knife goes and where the fork goes and how to dance and all the different things right, right that are just little you know things but I, but here's the thing from a from a life perspective when kids ask how does this affect me now mm. right and i think it's like you know the the you talked about it earlier right mm. the you know tyranny of the immediate yeah 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 right for for us to be able to say to our kids, hey, there are some things that you have to learn now that are going to benefit you later that you're right. You're not going to like now. This isn't going to be easy, right? Playing the piano, right? You're, I mean, I don't know anybody who really likes to practice, but if you want to perform well in a game, you have to do that. Ball totally. drills with your son. Sure. Spending time in the word of God, right? And so that's the concept, right, that, you know, the, the long obedience, it, it may feel like, you know, it's a cost, um, mm. but the benefit that you're getting, right. I mean, it used to be the old, you know, investment thing, right. You'd put money away and you'd hold it in, you know, in, in you know, savings. And at the end, right. You know, that would compound and you'd have all this money at the end. And you're like, those things mm. are just true principles. Mm. And so our kids need to, to grasp that and learn that. Um, the, uh, you mentioned, um, you know, the Eugene Peterson book, long obedience in the same direction. Mm-hmm. The subtitle of that is discipline in an instant society yeah. or in a discipleship in an instant society. So he, he mentions that he was a prophet. Yes. He mentions that concept. <laughs> it's more and more true. Every yeah, day. Every, yeah. Everything is so quick, yeah, right? I mean, it if it takes longer than a minute, why, you know, for a microwave to cook it, you know, mm. and, and that's, that's the concept. Um, I just uh, finished a book um, called the collapse of parenting um, by oh, Leonard wow. Sachs, wow. N- not a believer. Yep. Um, but as he writes about how parents are not doing the work, one of the things he talks about is you have to sit down and you have to have a family dinner time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this guy's not even a believer. And he's, he's <laughs> telling me how important it is to do the hard work yeah. of training your kids around a dinner table by having conversations mm-hmm. with them. Right. And, and here's the deal. You, you can't do that running through the Chick-fil-A line every night. Mm-hmm. You just can't. Right. Are, are there, are there times you can do those things? The answer is yes. Yeah. But if that's your life rhythm, you're missing out on training that long yes. obedience in the same direction yes. of showing your kids. Yeah. yeah. This takes work. This takes time. This takes effort. Parenting. 
You know, we all got to say no to some things. So we're sitting around the dinner table so that we're spending time with each other. Right. And that's a commitment that, you know, you and I have to put our phones down. We have to say no to work. We, you know, we have to, I mean, we have to go home. We have to prepare the dinner. We have to, you know, clean up the dishes. Dad, you have your phone. (laughs) Well, none of my kids have phones, but that's, that's, that's the statement. How come you get to? How come you get to? Why do you get to do it? You know, we, uh, we literally had a a very linear conversation to this with Liam just uh, two days ago. Finished Labor Day soccer tournament, mm-hmm. five matches in three days. It was a lot. Uh, he's feeling the size and athleticism difference between um, uh, being a, a, a prepubescent twelve-year-old mm-hmm. dude and playing against some boys that are full into puberty yep. and have grown. And yep. I swear, the keeper on the other team this weekend had a mustache. Um, so he was my size, and um, we were in the car, and he said, "Why? Why is it that I see?" other kids not eating the way that we eat he goes and yet they're bigger stronger and faster than i am yeah he goes they they're not all like we use the word crunchy in our house he goes they're not they're not worried about trying to eat organic and not eat like like just told you i get whataburger every wednesday but like uh, you know as as much as possible not eat out and and like keep these rhythms eat clean you know not do much, if any, dairy, try to battle against all the things like gluten and all these other things. And he's seeing other people appear to thrive, right, by eating whatever. And what I've told him, I said, hey, listen, here's what I'm going to tell you, something that you will not understand for a long time. What I've seen now is that may look like that, but what I promise you is there there are places in life where you'll look at that and go, I can't do that, right? Like now at 45, I cannot eat whatever I want. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I can't, the, the, I, I knew the day would come, but like, I can't drink caffeine after like three or four. It sounds so ridiculous and it's almost embarrassing. True, but, true. But yep. it's just true. Right. Yep. So he, he wants to see that. And I said, I'm telling you one of these days. Yeah. And, and, I, and that's such a hard thing to say to a teenager yeah. is the one of these days. But like what I continue to remind him is that there is a, it's the, it's the, previous point that we made earlier of like there's a beauty to it that you will embrace but what's what'll happen is it'll jump up and bite you and it'll be an, an unsuspected delightful surprise you're like whoa yeah I, I am so glad and and that's where we have to jump in as parents and we have to point to those things Amen. hey do you know why this is happening the way that it is right now do you know why that happened why you scored that goal why you got that a why you did this why you're experiencing this blessing or why you have those relationships because you have poured yourself into those things right so like prioritizing the gathering of the believer right so if we're if we're going hebrews 10 you jumped in hebrews if we're going to continue to prioritize the gathering of believers we'll look up we'll look up and all of a sudden we'll be like it's, it's why we prioritize our home group Right, because we consistently have poured ourselves into them and they into us. Because um, Citizen Church, one of our values is people of presence that were made for God and for one another. Mm. All right, and so with that, r- relationally, relationships are a long obedience in the same direction. Amen. That's the, the, the one of the, the most important things that we have yep. uh, as followers of Jesus is each other, and that too is that. And so, again, these, this this just it kind of cuts across all of it, honestly. Mm, so good. So good. Man, we could stay on each one of these for a I know. A we could hang episode. out for a while, dude. <laughs> What's number seven? Uh, man, let me pull my list. Uh, you, you're sitting there telling me that, and now I've, I printed I've, it out. I've, I've looked at it. So um, let me look. Here we go. Seven. Uh, awareness, like being aware of how culture disciples us. Yep. Uh, I, I think that, um, you know, uh, to 
even when um, a young follower of Jesus maybe not being may not be in an, an actual dis, intentional discipling relationship, I think one of the things that I want to help my kids understand is something that I even see for myself is how we're constantly being discipled. Discipleship. It's like you mentioned a minute ago with a, with a uh, an author who's not a follower of Jesus who still sees and understands there That's is right. actually a way that God has ordered the world to work Amen. and life to work. It's yep. a beautiful apologetic. You can, you can deny Him. You can't deny can't, the reality. Yeah, there, of there's the way that there, He set this. There's realities like that point to these things. And so with that, like we have to be aware as followers of Jesus, we have a culture that is constantly seeking to shape who we are. Everything about from diet to clothing. Those are the easy ones to to political agendas. Your identity, your authority, the the whole thing. All of it. Like identity is actually probably the main one because really identity is, again, this is another apologetic because the three things that I focus on in our student ministry is identity, purpose, and belonging. Right? And so identity is the first thing that Jesus runs at. Right. When we look at John chapter one, my favorite part in John one, he's talking about like, you know, he's going through this whole beautiful, gosh, John one is so rich and so deep and wide and delicious and so good. But then he gets in there and he starts talking about like the, those who have been saved will be called sons and daughters of God, not, not born of the flesh, not born of the will of man, but born of God. Mm. Right. The first thing when he saves us is we've been given a new identity. So yep. Jesus, knowing how he created us, runs towards identity. So our culture is actually speaking towards the truth of who we are. Right. So like they're saying if they can attach identity to things, then that's what you'll run towards because that's actually what we we're run, made to run towards first, yep. right? And so culturally, there's just so many things. God, that's 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 15 podcasts, yeah, right? That's, yeah. And there's there's hundreds <laughs> of those on online. But like, I I just think as as a dad, um, as a youth minister, uh, just as a, as a man functioning in this, you know, in a West Plano, Northern Dallas culture that's in the top one percent of wealth in the world. That's right. Um, that like. I have to be constantly aware. Um, when we moved back from overseas, uh, we lived in England for a couple of years, three years, and it was interesting moving from, uh, even culturally, moving from a walking culture, or you would take, you would walk, or you would take the train. Right. Everywhere. We got there, and one of the first things we did was we tried to take our American culture and put it in, and we we had um, fundraised and budgeted to buy two vehicles. And it was interesting because we were like six months in, we had two vehicles and we found that one sat in the driveway for weeks at a time. It's like having a car in Manhattan. Yeah. And so it's like, what what are we doing? Where are you going to drive? Where are you going to park? So we we (laughs) sold it and then the other one got driven on Mondays. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And so like we we found that like we were trying to apply our culture to the one that we were in. Then you come back to Texas and then we we try to walk. And then we move back to Texas and we (laughs) move back to Plano, Texas, and we're living in between um, four toll roads. um, And it was like, man, try to do that now. Um, But also still, like, I I, want to be here and realize that, like, we live in a a certain type of culture. I don't want to try to, like, um, I want to impose a biblical value on yeah. the culture that yeah. I live in yeah. um, as opposed to allowing the culture to impose itself on but, me and but my I love, family. Because the word you used was awareness. Mm-hmm. Can I just tell you, be aware. Yeah. Be aware of the cultural influences. And and here's the thing, um, you know, when, when Romans talks about, right, don't be conformed to the world, but transform yourself by the renewing of your mind. Yes. It's just be aware, pay attention, right? How do these things fit into the rhythm of your life as a Christian? 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can you can be in a walking culture, you can be in a driving culture. Okay, but here's the deal: if you're going to be in a driving culture, um, all of a sudden it becomes a far more hurried. And we've talked about that, right? So if I'm going to be in a hurried culture, how do I slow myself Dude, down? Yes, right. Oh well, if gosh, I'm in a walking yeah. culture, oh, okay. So all of a sudden things are slower just because of the nature of it, right? But there's other challenges mm-hmm. that you're going to have. So I just love just just be aware, be aware of how the culture tries to fit you into its mold, as opposed to you saying, "Hey, listen, here's here's the deal. I don't care where I am. I don't care if." I you know, live on a farm totally. up in Oregon, totally. or if I live in the middle of Plano, Texas, I've got to live out the authentic Christian life mm-hmm. where God has planted me. Yeah, he, he doesn't say, hey, hey, Corey, now that you, you know, you've accepted Christ, I need you to move away and I need you to go to a walking culture because you got to slow down. He says, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I need you to slow down in the midst of your hurried culture. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'll say too, like in speaking, we, we mentioned how much culture, like um, point, like there's all these apologetics within culture that point to a yep. better way. Yep. Um, you know, what's interesting is in this, in, in living and taking on, like we said from, from the previous podcast, we talked about how like taking on Jesus paradigm of life, mm-hmm. actually taking on his paradigm within our current culture that seeks to disciple us in a million different ways that are not his. Um, what that is, is actually one of the most evangelistic things you have. That's right. It is one of the most people go, why do you do that? Like it is one of the most glaring things. <laughs> and, and here's you? the deal. Like it's, it's, it's remind, like, yes, it speaks a truer, it speaks a truer and very different word mm-hmm. that seems a bit like to steal an English term daft to the people around me um, and around our family and uh, the families like even that I'm like close to, uh, but it's, it's speaking a true word in my family, mm-hmm. like in my house here, case in point, like, I, I, the number of times where I, where one of my kids, my daughter does this a lot, where she'll come and say, but their kids are getting to do this. And I will immediately say, they're not my kids. Not, yeah. That th- those are not my children. I've said if, it a million if times. If they were my kids, yep. I can tell you what we would be doing yep. or what we would not be doing. I try to frame it. I got this from another parent a million years ago. Try to frame it more positively than negative speak of like, we're not doing that. Right. I'd rather talk to them about what we are going to be doing instead. Exactly. There, there's room for the negative language, of course. And we know, hey, we're, we don't, we don't do that. We don't yeah. hit each other, kind of thing. But like, I speak that way. But you know, I, I felt it there. Um, I feel it with a middle school son who, no joke, when I say all of his friends, yep. he does not have a friend that does a thing. He does not have that friend. They, they're all like that, right? So we even feel that. Praise God, he is, he's, he's approached it with humility and with patience. Um, he doesn't have a phone. We're trying this thing in our group of friends called Wait Till Eight, yeah. or they're Wait Till Eighth Grade to get some type of phone device. Love it. Love it. Um, and and honestly, when we hit that next year, if he's still like doing really well, honestly, I'm just like, we'll just keep pushing it sure. back until like honestly, when he's driving, that's when I kind of feel like, gosh, I really want him to have a phone. Yeah. I'd like to know where you are and be able to for you to get in contact with me if you need something. Yep. Um, but what's happened is that cultural press to be constantly connected to everybody, which is like. That is us desiring to be God, right? It's to be all-knowing in all places yep. and constantly aware and constantly connected. Like, we can't live that way. It's that, there's another podcast. Like, that is one of the reasons this is the stressed, anxious generation is because they don't know how to stop. Amen. Right? And, and, and it, stopping is terrifying. Yeah. Right, that was our very first thing, so, the limitations. Well, one of the things that, that was interesting, right, the way that you framed, right, giving your phone, giving a phone to your son was so that he could be connected to you. That's good, Dan. Okay. Yeah, so here's, that's, here's yeah. the deal. The reality is, is the phone connects them to a lot of other people <laughs> and, and their peers yeah. as well. 
Right? Yeah. And that's that's the concept. So another book that I just read, um, Hold On to Your Kids, another non-Christian who wrote a book. So I'm, I'm just like, where's Dr. Dobson writing the great Christian books out there for us as parents? Yeah. But these non-Christians are seeing these problems. And one of the things hmm. in, in Hold On to Your Kids was you need to be more connected to your kids than peers. So mm. parents need to have a greater, greater relationship. And one of the things that connects them peer to peer is their phone and social media. Yes. So you and I look at, well, yeah, I mean, when you know, I, I'm going to give you a phone so you can be connected to me. Mm. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's one use for that phone, right? But the greater use that they're going to have is that they connect now to their peers and their peers have a greater influence. And so that connection, right, that you have with your kids mm. is the preeminent. Now, I mean, obviously connecting them to the Lord, that's your main goal, right? Mm. Point to mm. Christ, follow me as I'm following Christ. But then you step into that role because you give them that ability, that wisdom that yeah. comes along so that you can help them That's say good, no yeah. to the things they say no to and yes to the things they say yes to and put those boundaries and put those protections and then then show them their identity. Because if I'm connected to peers, that identity is limited as your son's mm-hmm. you know, 12 or 13. Yeah. It's limited to what other 13-year-old kids can see in him, mm-hmm. right? But you can see so much more. And so mm-hmm. it's, that's a great reminder, just, you know, awareness of how the culture, the world trains us. We are Dude, learners, yes. right? And, yeah, and yeah. those things that we bring in are going to be things that constantly teach us and train us. So be aware of it. I love, yeah. I just love it's, how you frame it. Just be aware of it. It's the age old, it's the age old uh, quote that the human heart's an idol factory. Yes. And so all we need to do is just institute it. Just, Amen. it's just the opportunity to, to have so access good. to some of those things. And you know, what's funny is the last year or so I've actually asked him about it. Cause when I went to his orientation for seventh grade, the beginning of the year, I, I looked around and I stood there with him and like six or seven of his buddies in this cafeteria in the middle of a, a windowless middle school in Plano, Texas. God love them. <laughs> Poor kids. Uh, um, and I looked around and I looked and he was the only one not on his phone. Yeah. And we were standing there and he looks at them and he looked at me yep. and he shrugged. And we get in the car and I said, hey, why'd you shrug back there? What was that all about? He goes, I, I didn't pump this. He said this himself. He goes, it makes me sad. I go, what makes you sad? He was, it makes me sad to stand there in that circle and nobody's looking at each other. Yep. And I'm like, we hey, might not ever get a phone. My, my, my daughter had that same conversation with us yeah. when she would go to her church youth group. Mm. And everybody, okay, here's the thing. If they weren't on their phone, they were talking about things that they had on seen their on phone. their phone. Sure. Yeah. Did you see this? Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, you know, Sophie's kind of like, can we not talk about just life or can we not talk about you and me right here in the, in the moment? Yeah. And they don't realize that the phone actually takes them out of the moment and it takes them to a distant place, a sure. distant land, a different experience that now we're all talking about something else in somebody else's yeah, life. somebody else's life. And we're not living our own. Man, and I got so, to tell so you, one of, one of the things that feeds this so much for us is, um, and I want to be careful with this because what we I, I don't want to encourage an insular lifestyle right. where we're in a sound tunnel and right. we're only ping totally. ponging around with totally. people that are just like us. But for for the awareness of this, the culture that disciples us, the importance of having other families around your family yep. that share um, a, 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 the way they see the world and yeah. life yeah. and culture, um, shared biblical value um, and goals as families. Uh, again, I'm going back to my home group again. Like to have these families around and and to have other kids, and then my son's huddle in his. His five best friends were taking him and his five buddies on our, our second annual fly fishing trip to Arkansas in October. Go. Can't wait. Woo-hoo! Can't wait, dude. Uh, none of those, his five best friends, none of them have a phone. Yeah. Like that but, is but at so the same, huge. But at the same time, 
I'm not raising everybody else's kids. Right. So so I have to raise my kids the way I want them to be raised. Right. And if all his other buddies had phones, right, then I got I to gotta pull Liam aside and I just say, hey, listen, I know you don't. Yeah. But you got to trust me. Yes. Yeah. And, and so that, I, I, I love it. I, I think it's great when I it's can, a, I can it's surround a solid them, word, right, with, with a bunch of people that are all doing life the same way. Yeah. But at the end of the but day, when it's not right, I'm going to stand before God and he's not going to say, hey, did you parent like everybody else parented? Right. He's going to say, hey, did you yeah. listen to me? And did you parent to the best of your ability and understanding the wisdom I gave you through the word yeah, right, man. to make to make your kids be able to withstand the culture in which, I, you know, I put yeah. them. Because yeah, he I, wants them to, to flourish in the midst of this yes, craziness. Dude. Absolutely. So we, we have to be aware of how much of this craziness is pushing in on them. Mm-hmm. And we got to sometimes push back. Yeah, man. Super important. Absolutely. Number eight. Number eight. Uh, number eight. Uh, this this is a big one. It's uh, a good one. Having, having, some, <laughs> having dudes in my house. Yes. Um, my, my daughter approaches this one differently. Yeah. Uh, but number eight is feelings are good servants and terrible kings. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I believe that our feelings – um, you know the, the 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 feelings wheel. Have you seen the feelings wheel? That has been you know one of the. Uh, I have to be careful on this one because I don't want to press any buttons. Um, one of the good things that has come out of the tumultuous COVID season, um, one of the good things that is happening amongst the anxious generation, is um, a willingness to move towards. Um, licensed professional counselors mm, amen. and counseling. Thank you. Um, that it, this is a, this is a good thing that generationally you and I and our parents, that is not that it's funny. Cause not, it wasn't until we lived in Europe that I realized how um, European, some of our parents were stiff upper lip and all yeah. like keep calm, carry on. That was our parents. Yeah. Like, and even having lived with my parents, my, my, my late 70 something parents the last year, right? Like talking about emotion yeah. and talking about feeling, um, to we're, we're like I, my parents wouldn't. I don't think they would vilify or demonize feelings or emotions, but to actually enunciate, yeah. I am feeling a certain way, and understanding that there are a lot of those um, feelings that like should be validated. Yeah. Right? There's a great podcast, Adam Smith, The Place We Find Ourselves. If you want like free biblical like counseling, oh good for parents, okay. for individuals, for yeah. young adults, yeah. for men, for women. It is, I'm telling you, dude, start with the very first one. There's a couple hundred of them now, but like start with the first one. But like in this, it's like, we're going to talk about like our feelings are good servants. They're going to, they can serve us. Yeah. They can help us know things. You know, I, um, there's a guy that's coming on staff here at the church and um, he he said it in uh, one of our prayer gatherings. We were gathering together to pray as the elders and pray over him. He said, he goes, you know, and I felt anxiety well up in my heart mm-hmm. and anxiousness. He goes, and I did what I know to do with anxiety. I prayed about it. Yep. And I was like, so like, I think they can be an amazing. That's what Paul says. Yeah. Right? Are you anxious about something? Pray, pray about, about it. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a commercial. Yeah. No, but, but, yeah. But, 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 but really. But yeah. I mean, as, as opposed to not admitting, right. And, and, the, and the cool thing is. Feelings remind us of how frail we are, mm. and, and that weakness. And we and we want to run, especially as men. We want to run from that weakness, as opposed to running toward that weakness and saying, "Here's here's the cool thing. What can God do with my weakness?" Mm-hmm. And, and the reality is, is where we're weak, He's strong. Mm-hmm. So He's not worried about our weakness. So we don't have to run from it. We can run toward it and say, "Okay, God, yes. here's where I'm feeling weak. Here's where I'm feeling insecure. Here's where yeah. I'm not feeling sufficient. Yeah. Can you be sufficient for me in this?" And, and it reminds me of. Um, First Corinthians 13, when it's called, you know, the love chapter, yeah. where, you know, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, right? And when I first 
remember hearing about this, they always just, you know, put your name in there, right? You know, Dan is patient, Dan is kind, right? And it's just like, here's the deal. No, God is love. So you don't put Dan's name in there, right? Because Dan is not always patient and Dan Mm -hmm. is not always kind, but God always is. Mm -hmm. And so when, when, you know, Paul writes about the whole idea that I can do Mm -hmm. all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's when Dan is not able to do it, God is. When Dan is weak, when yeah. Dan is impatient, when Dan holds a record of wrong, when you know, when when Dan mm-hmm. can't do it, God can. And so when when those feelings tell you, "Hey, Corey, here's where your deficiencies are," yeah, you can go, "Oh, that's so cool," because that's not where God's deficiencies right. are. That's actually where His strength right. is. Right? His patience, my impatience. Yeah. Well, can I tell you the patience of God? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yes. Right? The long suffering. Yes. Right. I mean, you, you look at these things and, you, you know, we mentioned before, like Galatians five, when we talk about the fruit of the spirit, mm-hmm. that's the fruit of the spirit. That's mm-hmm. not the fruit of Dan. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's yeah, not, it's good. not called the fruit of Dan. It's called, if you have the, the Holy you Spirit, have together. exactly. Yeah. It's, this is, if you allow the Holy Spirit to come out in you, mm. these are things that he can produce. What do you have to do? Yes. You have to go back to John 15 and just abide. Right. Right. You know, I, we mentioned in the last one the paradigm of Jesus and mm-hmm. modeling his lifestyle. Mm-hmm. We see Jesus was a uh, obviously as the as the perfect yeah. man. He was a very deep feeler. Yes, like the number of times you said, and he and he looked on the crowds mm-hmm. and he felt deep compassion. Yeah, right. Um, Moved to tears at yes, times. Like like tearful. Um, uh, I, I want to be careful how I say this, but the first way it came to my mind was like violently angry. Yeah. Um, at one time. Right, we we see a vile, like a violent anger yeah. uh, at the wrong things, right? And a, tr- and a tree that didn't produce fruit, right? Right. So like we we <laughs> see Je- we see Jesus like yeah. um, living a very emotional life, yes. Right, and you know at, at Citizen Church we talk about we're we're a whole person, and so whole person discipleship, and so um, God delights in bringing flourishing to all of our being, even our body, and so I I don't want to. Um, I, I have felt culturally, you know, my parents did the best that they could. That I, I don't believe that my, our parents' generation was actually discipled. They were just taken to church. Yeah. Um, I feel like my generation as a, as a mid-40s guy um, wasn't like fully discipled generationally. We were just taken to church. And so I want to disciple my son yeah. to understand that our, our king who set the paradigm of how life is supposed to be lived, where fullness is really had, um, was a deeply passionate, compassionate um, a man that experienced anger, mm-hmm. uh, and all of the full gamut of emotions that could be felt, um, Love it. that he would go into the, even the garden the night before, uh, he was to be slain for our sins and experienced all the turmoil of what was about to happen. Right. So he experienced every ounce of that. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think generationally specifically where the way I wrote this to you is that like, um, so what, one of the steady threads that I have going right now um, is with a just a multitude of parents in my ministry, specifically dads, whose boys are entering their mid-late teens, like 16 to 18-ish. Mm-hmm. And dude, they are getting there and they are um, having the most in- just incredibly difficult time um, expressing and managing emotion. Mm. So what happens is they get met with a lot of difficulty and strife and instead of being like, hey, this is hard and I'm confused and I'm scared and I'm afraid and I don't know what to do, they actually turn into a bit of a monster. And it, it comes out as like um, some type of expressed rage. Um, it comes out at, or, or, or they just like they completely Withdrawal. implode. Yeah. 
and they move completely yeah. in, they shut off and they distance because there's all these things in there that some families have not really encouraged um, or dads like me who weren't really like raised to express a lot of those. I think that's where a lot of my own personal anxiety came from is I felt like I need to repress those things, yeah. hold them back, st- shove those things way down deep. You know, and so I, I, one of the, the study questions that I ask you mentioned at the beginning of this, like be, be like specific in what you do. When, when I talk with Liam, uh, one of my favorite things when we're driving to, to school is like, that's one of those times in between times in between are some of my favorite discipling moments. Yeah. Uh, but driving is one of my favorites, uh, that, that really short drive to Haggard middle school here in Plano. Um, you know, one of the things I love asking him is like, Hey, w- what are you feeling today that we can pray about? Hey, well, what thought is consuming your mind that we can pray about? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Yeah. I want to address those. I want to talk about them. Or when I see them, like I'll start. I don't want to. I want to be careful as a dad to not populate. Um, I like for them to bring it to me, but I also know that part of our job is to help them enunciate right. what's going on in their right. life because they don't have the words. They don't have the long obedience in the same direction to look back and for me to go. I botched it there. I screwed this up. I did this wrong. I did this right. Um, but to look at it and go, Hey buddy, it, it seems to me right now, like you're feeling whatever that might be next. Right. And so I, I like doing that with him because I want him to express and to feel those things. Cause we have a God who is, um, was, was living in the flesh, mm-hmm. was fully emotional, yep. but not ruled by them. Yep. Right. Big difference. There's Experiencing. A, there's, not controlled by. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I w- want them to be like, and so in our, in our house, we talk about it, <laughs> we talk about it all the time with like, with um, the, the panic state of yeah. like hurry, yeah. and the, the freak out. Um, it's it's kind of like the, the, the little bit of the, the cliche, I don't forget what movie this was in, where it's like, um, uh, never in the history of calm down, has anybody calmed down by being told <laughs> to calm down? Um Right. So like, but hey, hey man. it just doesn't <laughs> it work. Doesn't and work. so, you know, this, yeah. this, this is biblical as it gets as well. Like who of you by worrying has added a day to his life? Oh, man. Who? Yep. And so again, that's, that's me looking back as a dad yeah. who still struggles with anxiety to now say to my children and try to protect them from trying to control their own world and not like, I want to press that anger. I want to press that fear away. Right. And, and talk about glad, mad, sad, and afraid. That's one of the ones I ask the kids. Hey, well, like, what's made you glad, mad, sad, or afraid today? Right. Or even sitting at the dinner table. You talked about your dinner table conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, hoping it doesn't bother anybody, but it's like, it's happies and crappies at our table. What made you happy today? What was crappy about today? You know, so just, I want to move towards my kids so that their emotions are not like, they're not demonized in yeah. our house. Yeah. Right. You can, and you can also be unhinged. Like if you just are like, it's, you're feeling wild and unhinged. Yeah. You know, or even for my boys, I like to be with them wild and outside and loud and, and unkempt, Yeah. you know, and so they, they can experience those things and then learn how to pull back again and show restraint and self-control and, and you know, so it's kind of be in both of those places. So. I like it. I like it. Feelings are good servants, terrible kings. Oh, number nine. We got two more to go. Number nine. Two more. Okay, here we go. Uh, so uh, hard things aren't necessarily bad things. Amen. Um, yeah, uh, you know, we, we, we have this conversation. This this is a regular conversation in our house. Um, you know, I've talked a lot about my older two, mainly my oldest, but my youngest. He's, he's just six. He turned six yesterday. Um, man, it was like the greatest day ever. He's up 545 
Uh, it's like it might as well have been Christmas morning at our hey, house. Man. That dude was up. He is he is speaking of what we just said a minute ago, he is wild and free this one. He is my adventurer. It. He has no fences, yep. no borders, no yep. locked doors, no locked windows. Um why do I have to put shoes on? Um he <laughs> Why do I have to put clothes yeah, on? Yeah, why <laughs> clothes are clothes are arbitrary, right? Uh it's him and these two uh these two little dudes that live down the street that are his friends, uh Luke and Wes. And half the time these boys they get to our house and none of them have shirts on. Yeah. And I'm like, Where's your shirt? What, Where are your you clothes? Have? Why do you have one shoe on? Why are you covered um, in mud? What, what's, what, what is the world wrong with you? Where's that blood from? Is that yours? Um Yeah, but like hard things aren't bad things. You know, we we love uh we love to make a good mess in our house. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, the, the statement to my wife who praise God, I have a wife that she manages and leads within our home with such beauty. And she, um, connects our hearts to God's heart for order. Um, because we, we know, and the kids know that it's in, in that order and the lack of clutter in discipline that God does a beautiful thing. Those fences are there for our, for our well-being. That's right. When it comes to cleaning up the delight, she said, this looks like a fun mess. It's time to clean the fun mess up. That's right. Jude, immediately his response is a six-year-old dude. He goes, this is boring, which is actually a curse word in our house. We don't, we don't use the word boring or bored. Um, we, we fight against that word um, because actually I say it's a curse word when they use it in that way. Yeah. Um, we actually tell them, hey, you know it's okay to be bored. It's okay to have nothing to do. Um, because we want to embrace limitation and understand that if we're always doing something, like our heart and mind never have time to slow down, our spirit can't catch up. Yeah. Um, but I tell them, like, hey, listen, it was sure fun to make this mess, okay? But it's going to be hard to clean it up, and it'll be really fun to make it again tomorrow. Yep. You know, so um, hard things aren't necessarily bad things. I keep telling Liam that was sport. I keep telling him that was school. I tell Norley that with piano. Um, and, and I've told my students here at church, like, it, like in, in truth – um, uh, pursuing a life like the pursuit of holiness to quote like Tozer, right? The pursuit of holiness is, is far more difficult than pursuing my flesh. Amen. It just is. Yep. It's true. But, but one leads to flourishing. So this is Paul, right? We're going to talk, yep. we're going to get, yep. we had to bring Romans into it. Like if I'm going to, if like, I'm, if I'm using the words of Paul, like if I pursue my flesh, which is easy, yeah. Like it leads to death. death. And if I pursue holiness and righteousness, which is hard, it leads to life. Yep. And it's so, so like youth pastor oversimplified, but like, it's just true. It is. Um, and just because it is hard doesn't mean that it's bad. Yeah. I have to fight that because that my flesh wants things easy. Yeah. I want things to come easily. And when they do, I'm like, look what I did, you know? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a sadist. I'm not saying we should go like looking around for hard things. Like, Ooh, that wasn't challenging enough. No, but so in in our, in our uh, family, we say uh, the only thing that grows without work is weeds. Mm -hmm. So if you want to cultivate a garden, can I, can I write that down (laughs) while you say that? That was really good. (laughs) The only thing that grows without work is weeds, but the only, if you want to cultivate a garden, it takes work, right? So if if I walk out to my yard, right, my weeds are growing constantly, Mm. um, are the flowers. And it's like, no, not unless I tend to them, not unless I cultivate them and I nurture them. And so if the same thing's true in in my yard, the same thing's true in my family. Mm. And the same thing's true in my own life, right? If if I go for a while without cultivating the spirit, right, Mm. the flesh will grow, (laughs) you know? And and, and then it's, you know, it goes back to what you feed, right? And if I feed my flesh, it'll grow. And if I feed the spirit, it'll grow, right? Right. Paul said the same thing. What are you feeding? You've got to, you've got to, you've got to put to death. You've got to mortify. You've got to, right, you know, Take, yeah. take the flesh and actively every day, because the flesh wakes up and says, hey, 
Yep, feed me. Feed right? me. Yeah, here I am. I'm ready to feed go. I'm ready me. to grow. And the spirit, right, kind of patiently waits and it's just like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Right? What choices are you going to make? Are you, are you going to feed the flesh or are you going to put it to death? Because we can't both be flourishing. Yeah. Sorry, it just it just doesn't work. You know, the, the practices of Jesus, um, I, I think, is kind of a newer way that, like, um, guys like like um, pastors, pastor authors like John Mark Comer mm-hmm. and Comer's got this, this amazing uh, website along with this church called Practicing the Way. And in Practicing the Way, he talks all about, you know, these practices, these disciplines of Jesus, um, things like fasting that you just mentioned fasting as a follower of jesus is probably one of the hardest things that we can do um but in that like i I, i'm convinced that what it does is it's yeah there is a i guess a a literal starving of the physical flesh Mm -hmm. and that in that day and we started practicing this way of jesus with liam in the last year um by it was just one meal Right, because I also believe that as a child he needs to he needs to eat a little bit more than right. I do. Totally, um, we both need food, but um, it was a hey, let's let's practice this. So actually, we started it um, by having like, hey, this week there'll be there'll be literally no tech, no TV, no no video games. We're gonna do that for a week so right. we can practice right. restraint, yeah. right? And then we moved that into like, hey, let's have today where we're not gonna do lunch, and I'll do that with you, right? And this was so hard. Right. But what we did in that was, you know, in, in supplanting the meal time with like, hey, let's pray together. We're going to sit here and do nothing together yep. and we'll just hang out together. And we're going to talk about like, hey, that feel that, that feeling of hunger and that refusing what my flesh wants and how that directly impacts what my spirit wants um, and what my mind thinks about. And it's, it's total. Yeah. Right. And so, again, fasting is probably the best example of that. Hard things aren't necessarily bad things. Um, I, I think it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, now, and that's, that's also a longer thing. I think it was always something I approached in the past of like, I really need an answer from God. I'll fast and he'll answer me. It's <laughs> um, not really right. a, the Lord's every time I do that, the Lord would whisper to me like, Hey, you started this wrong, but we'll do work with yeah. it anyway. Are, are you fasting for me or for you? Yeah. Who's like, this? Who's this for kid? It's for me. Hey, Just... <laughs> come here. I love you. Um, yeah. I mean, this applies across the board, right? Yeah. Like some of the best things require the most work. Yeah. They just do. I, I think about that probably if I'm framing it from a positive perspective, like my friendships are like that. Yep. Um, you know, my closest friends are the people that we have, uh, we have done some of the, we've done the hard work together. That's right. The real stuff like, Hey man, when we were at dinner earlier, I, I was uncomfortable with how you spoke to your wife. Yeah. Like I know you love her, but that wasn't okay. You know, and saying hard stuff to each other. That's right. Um, or seeing stuff like, Hey, I've noticed these things about you right now. Are you good? That's hard. I don't want to have that conversation. I don't want to have that with parents of my, my ministry sometimes like, Hey, this is going on. I need to talk to you. Um, but it, it's just the stuff that's there. So song of Solomon puts it this way. It says, uh, catch the little foxes, mm. right? Because when you're, when you're trying to cultivate a garden mm-hmm. and you're trying to grow grapes, right? The little foxes would come in and they'd yep. steal them. Right? That's the well, best premarital book you can read. It, it's totally catching foxes yeah. is the best. And it's just book. like, yeah, what, what are the little things that are coming in there? Who, the, and you said, who are the accountability partners that you have around you, your mm-hmm. friends? And, and that's the cultivation of those relationships so that you can catch them when they're small before they get big. Cause when the yes. big foxes come in, yeah. <laughs> right. They destroy everything. Yeah. But if you can catch the little foxes before they do it, right. Yeah. Throw them out and just cultivate that garden. So that's a that's a great reminder. Yeah, they, the do the do hard things. There's a book Alex and Brett Harris yep, wrote. Yep, do hard things, I which that is book. great. Yeah, um, the the way that we've the probably the hardest one we've we've pushed into our students is like a, a regular rhythm within that we call our small groups huddles. They're aging, uh, they're they're grade and gender specific, uh, guys and girls groups, and then by like grade seventh grade tenth grade, <clears throat> one of those is a, a practice of um, of confession. 
of confession and repentance together. Yeah. And so that that's hard. Yeah. It's a really hard thing to say, hey, I've sinned in this way. Yeah. Would you pray for me? Uh, and to repent from that and then to have the people in your life speak into that and, and to encourage you to speak um, God's truth about you, about who you are, that you're not your greatest sin and greatest failure, um, and then to pray for them. That's just That was a hard one to inject into the life of a student ministry, yep. um, having those with the, the guys and with my wife in, in my life, you know, to, to inject that hard thing in, but to see what God does when we confess and repent is really beautiful. Mm, good stuff. All right. Well, we made it to number 10. Oh, man. All the way to the end here. Uh, th- this one... Honestly, it's one of the first things that I thought of when, when thinking about in specific um, in, in your podcast yep. and talking specifically to uh, men, yep. young men. Yep. It's something that I talk to my daughter about as well, because it's not saying that she doesn't struggle with pride. We all do. Uh, but that you can be humble and strong. Amen. And I, I, um, yeah, I, I think growing up, I think I, I thought it was one or the other. That's right. Yeah. It's almost kind of presented that way. Sure. Right. And humility, right. You're, you're weak and insignificant, right. But you're humble, right. And you're like, wait, what? I right. I don't get that. Uh, a good word, right. That scripture uses is meekness. Yep. Right. That kind of power under control. Yeah. Right. You mentioned earlier when you're, you know, Jesus was, you know, fully emotional, mm-hmm. but he was never controlled by his emotions. Mm-hmm. That humility and that strength go together in that, in that concept of that character. Yeah. So I love that. As a church, we, we, um, or last year, we went through a year, year long series, uh, called Wisdom and Wonder and, and kind of the, the tagline that our pastor, Jim Roller, um, one of our lead pastors, Jamin, Jamin said was wisdom has a pace. It is slow. A posture, it is low, and a person, it is Jesus. Mm. And so, so with that, like I look at the humility of Jesus, and that, like, to be truly wise is to take on the image of Jesus. Yeah. Like, again, he has set the mold for what we want to aspire to be and to, to become and to live like. Um, but, like, if, if it's him that's presenting that, like, this is what it looks like to live, and, it, and it's humble. Um, I, I cannot think of a stronger person than Jesus, yeah. right, to endure the things that he did for us. And so I just, I look at that and I, I think it's really hard because I think, again, we going back to our statement earlier about culture discipling our boys, um, our kids, us, uh, is that yeah, it's, it, it's a very either or mentality, not just the cancel culture mentality, but it's like, you can't be these things simultaneously. Yeah. Right. And so to even look at that and say, you know, humble and strong to be humble, strong, uh, or strong and humble, whatever way you want to phrase it. Like it even sounds contradictory to say it out loud because the culture has, has discipled me to hear things a certain way. But I look at even those statements and I immediately think of how Jesus lived his life. Yeah. Immediately think of the paradigm that he set that Jesus who, who held all of the strength of God in his person yeah. and had the ability to do literally anything, yeah. right? Held that strength, used it for the kingdom Right, but it was also humble and and made these these beautiful humble statements of you know you look at the the high priestly prayer and you go into John seventeen and he starts talking about he and the Father want I don't do anything yep. that the Father doesn't tell me to do yep. right or if we're going to to uh, to Paul's letters and take a look at his writing and he's talking about the imitation of Christ I'm surrendering my way to become like somebody else yep. that's where strength is actually found is is this humble surrender yep. right so they're they're simultaneous because one leads to the other. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I see him as the, um, I, have a, I have several things in my in scripture where I just wrote down paradox, mm, right? You know, mm, so the, that's the, good. the first shall become last. And yeah. you're like, what? 
Like yeah. that doesn't make sense, right? The first is first. And it's yeah. like, no, no. That's good. <laughs> the last shall become first. The first shall become last, right? That's good. To to gain or you know, to to die is to gain. Right? And it's like, no, to die is to end, right? That's the end of something. You're like, no, no, to die to yourself is to gain for Christ. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so you, you you walk through scripture and I think what what you have here is when you have, can you be humble and strong at the same time? Well, here's my thing is James 4 tells us that God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Mm. So the concept yeah. is, is in my, in my own strength, I set myself up in opposition to God. And so then he has mm. to, he has to oppose me. Mm. And so if, if I am not humble, yeah. right, then, then God, who's not going to get credit for whatever happens, has to oppose me. But if I, in my humility, right, he makes me strong. Mm. Right then, he's the one who gets credit because mm-hmm. I'm not the one who's seeking it. Yeah, and so those two things to me is that paradox. They go together, That's good. right? Where we think you know the humble is less of ourselves, and the answer is yes, <laughs> right. but it's more of God. Right, right. And so you know when when David walks out, you know to Goliath, he doesn't walk out and say, "Hey, watch what I'm going to do to the giant." He mm. walks out and says, "Hey, God, what are you going to do to the giant?" Yes, <laughs> right. Like yeah, you know, yeah. I, I'm a I'm a I'm a shepherd boy, right? right. Who's not a warrior. Right. You know, um, I, I need a God who's going to defeat a giant. And mm-hmm. the reality mm-hmm. is, right, God's like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, I think so, it's really important that we put biblical definitions on humble and strong. Yes. Because I think, again, if we're going back to the statement earlier of awareness culturally of what it thing, what, what things mean yep. and having biblical definitions to words that can be easily misconstrued. Mm-hmm. Um, humility, I loved your your statement earlier of... Uh, of meekness, yeah. which which culturally, if I described you as a man that I know, like you and I, we saw each other earlier, and you walked in the door and we hugged, yep. like chest to chest. Let's let's get a bro hug in, man. We squeezed and we kind of lingered for a minute, right? I'm down with that, yeah. right? Like I think like we want to have good definitions that are biblical definitions. Like I can hug you and still be me, totally. Um, but like I think a good biblical definition of that humility, you can attach meekness to it. Um, I think of Jesus and the one time that he described himself was I take on my yoke for I am gentle and, and lowly. lowly, right? Yep. I, that's a great book. Dane Ortland, Gentle and Lowly, phenomenal book. Yep. Um, like mess you up kind of book. Yep. Like take time, read a chapter, put it down. But but it is an amazing statement. Sure. It, when, it's when an incre- Jesus describes himself. Yeah, it's it's an incredible statement. Yeah. Um, to the way that he described himself as gentle and lowly, that mm. that's that's a humility. But from, what, from a man who is a man's man. Yeah. Right. You would you think, oh, I, I get it. He's he's that weak, right? Well, so, like, so that's that's where I was going with exactly. that. Like there, you know, when when I say humble, mm-hmm. like when I, I, I teach like this this is the deal with like my daughter. I told you I, I was thinking about my boys with this, but also with my daughter, what I what I've told her a lot is like, hey baby, like um daddy doesn't want you to be a doormat. I'm trying to actually train my children up to properly challenge me yeah. in honor yeah. um, with humility. Like, hey, challenge me as your dad. Like, if you disagree, tell me you disagree, but do so in a way, uh, do so in a strong way mm-hmm. that's respectful and honorable and still kind and say, daddy, I don't agree with that or mm-hmm. I don't like that yeah. or dad, I don't want to do that, but I will, right? So I think you can put a, a non-biblical definition on humble and strong and humble will be something culture will see as like, Hey, be quiet, be submissive, totally. be, um, right. be withdrawn. Don't be verbal. Um, don't, don't be these things. Right. So when I can actually be strong and humble, I can, I can come into it and say, Hey, listen, I want to honor, like you're, you're a little bit older than me. Mm-hmm. And so I want to come in and sit down with you as a guy that like, 
you've got more years under your belt than me. You followed Jesus longer than me, which means you've succeeded more than me and failed more than me. You've got so much for me to learn at. No offense. <laughs> right. So none taken. So like I, I just I yeah, totally. I don't want to be a doormat, but also I want to redefine strong. Yes. Right. So like I um I love meekness. Uh, one, one guy, I don't remember, I don't, do not remember who said this. He de- he described meekness as like, as having guns in a holster and knowing when to pull it. Yeah. And then knowing when to squeeze the trigger. Amen. Right. So there, there's, there's, there's several things at play there. Right. Yep. So um, I want my children to be strong. I want to be strong, but also strong is not dominating. It's not manipulative. Right. It's not narcissistic control. That's yeah. like I'm being I'm I'm being humble and strong, but, the, but really what I'm doing is self serving. Toxic masculinity thing totally. that's going on in our culture, right? And I totally agree that toxic masculinity, there's no need for it, there's no place for it. When when men suppress other people mm. to elevate themselves, totally, yeah. that, that's not a man. Right. Right? That that is that is a, a warlord. That is a right. a monster. Yeah. Right. We, we don't need that in our culture. You don't yeah. need that in your marriage. Right. Right. You don't need it in your business. Nobody wants to work for a guy mm. who has to suppress you so that he can get ahead. Right. Right. And when you look at scripture, that is not the image of Christ that you get. Yeah. Right. When, when you're on the ground, Jesus is on the ground with you. Mm. I always think of the woman caught That's in good. adultery. Mm. Right. They take her in That's there and it, sa- it says literally that they threw her on the I ground. Like that, yeah. And the next thing you see is Jesus is down on the ground mm. and he's writing something in the ground. And then it says that when you look back, she's standing. That's good. Right? When everybody leaves, she's standing, and then Jesus stands. And I always think about that concept. I go, look at the strength of him, right? That no one is below him. He can get down to our level. He can, mm-hmm. He's come down here from heaven, yeah. right? He can walk with us, but he doesn't leave us there. He elevates us to his. Yeah. Right? And Ephesians 2 says, I'm seated in the heavenly places. Yeah. So, so when, right, and he came down here to grab me, he took me up there. To him. That's good. And that's what a man does. A yeah. man will lower himself, will humble himself, right? So that he can elevate others. Yeah. I think the, um, I think the, the, the Pauline statement, I, I think with that is like, we're hidden in Christ Jesus, uh, right? So like, if I'm hidden in him, like I, what I want to present that's humble and strong, I want that to be like a presentation of Christ exactly. to my children, to yeah. my wife, yep. to my friends, to my home group, to my church, to my students, to my world, to the, um, to the young lady at Chipotle, to the young yeah. man that I saw last night at Whataburger, yeah. um, like I, that, that's the presentation of that. Which is why I think that, right, for me, for a physical picture, which mm. is why David didn't put on Saul's armor, hmm. right? Because hmm. he wasn't going out there to present himself as the king, and he wasn't going out there to present himself as Saul. Right. He was going out there to present himself, right, as a humble shepherd mm. boy who's got a great king, yeah. who's got a great God. There's a, there's a greater king than King Saul, and that's yes. King Jesus. Man, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm adding a 10A... To 10, like as a parent, I think my encouragement with that is like put biblical definitions on on the things that you're yes, pouring into absolutely. your kids, yeah. right? So like strong and humble. Because the world's definition. Right. Right. Be because super strong and humble yep. can carry different things also in different families in the way that you were raised. Yes. Right. So um, if you come from a, a family where there's not a ton of emotion or, or, or they're not a very verbose yep. culture of expressing emotion, but they give a lot of gifts. Right. So like you're, you're going to experience and understand and say things like I have all these sayings. I'm like, butlers are like what I want my kids. Like, Hey, butlers don't like butlers work hard. That's one of the things we say. Butlers aren't afraid of hard work. Right. Right. We, we say, I say things like that a lot. Hey, Hey, butlers are kind. 
hey, we're going to be kind to each other. Mm. Hey, Butler, say sorry. Like, so we do these things, these biblical, like, mantras in the house. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. put, putting biblical definitions on the things that you want for your kids, because, um, like, they'll... I just have to, we have to remember they have ears that they're hearing and a life that they're soaking in culturally and things that they're seeing around them that they're going to get and hear and filter even things that we're training them in through their ears and the culture they're experiencing, no matter what age, right? Six, six, eight or or 12, 13 that I've got, right? They're going to hear that. So attaching biblical things that they can go and see like, Hey man, this is something we're getting from Jesus, our model. Yeah that we're following. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the word is so important. Yeah, man. So you get your definitions from that. Well, Corey, we could, we could talk for another couple day, hours, man, because you've you. got so it's much fun. more wisdom to, to pour out. I'm glad you're doing a great job. Um, just as, as a, as a husband, as a father, thanks, man. um, thanks for the work that you're doing as a brother in Christ. Again, thank you for just your, your modeling, uh, and your witness. It's an honor. Uh, yeah. and just, uh, as a, as a man, thanks for the last uh, two podcasts to yeah, share thank some you. of that wisdom with some other guys out there. Yeah, so, thanks for letting me be here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training, the number four, manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.